Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Father Greg. In today's episode, we have a homily for Sunday, February 26, 2023, which is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. I do hope that you'll stay with us for the next few Sundays, because our readings will highlight some of the most famous events in Jesus' life and ministry. Let's begin our time together today with a reading from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew writes, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, God will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to Jesus, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve God only. Then the devil left Jesus, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of Christ. Dear God, may only your truth be spoken and only your truth be heard. Amen. Have you ever sat in your doctor's office and noticed what hangs on the walls? You'll probably see a couple of university degrees, some documents certifying him or her as a licensed physician, and maybe something that talks about the professional associations that they belong to. These framed documents are like snapshots, proving that a person has the required credentials to function in their profession. Our text today also talks about credentials. Today's reading from Matthew's Gospel takes place immediately after Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John. We are told that as Jesus came up from the water, the Spirit of God descended upon him, and a heavenly voice declared him to be the Son of God, in whom God was well pleased. This is important because it speaks to the identity of Jesus in a unique and objective way. It would have been one thing for Jesus to declare himself to be either God or the Son of God. But in this story about his baptism, we have about as objective and a statement as you can possibly get about Jesus' identity. It's after this encounter that Jesus went into the wilderness to fast and to pray. It's worth noting that Jesus was intentionally led into the desert by the Spirit of God. Jesus was neither lost nor was he being punished. He was there with a purpose. Like many tests that any of us might experience, this testing served to prove something about who Jesus was. 
He had just been declared someone in whom God took pleasure, and now he was being given an opportunity to prove it. This is about proving that Jesus had the credentials for the work that he was about to engage in. While there, we are told that he was tested at least three times. The first temptation would be whether or not he would turn a rock into bread. The temptation to turn stone into bread speaks to the desire to satiate our most primary appetites. This is more than simply about the physical hunger of our stomach, but also stands as a metaphor for the rest of our physical and emotional appetites. This is not about denying our appetites, but rather learning to satisfy them in healthy and appropriate ways. It is about how we respond to things like anxiety, fear, or loneliness. Do we seek to fill these needs in healthy ways, or do we fill the void with destructive habits? In the second test, Jesus is encouraged to throw himself from the roof of the temple so that God might send angels to rescue him from death. At its core, this second test is about an overly simplistic understanding of God and the world. Throughout the rest of his earthly ministry, we see Jesus as an outspoken critic of those who try to reduce religion to a set of dogmatic principles and inflexible legal structures. Instead, Jesus would portray genuine, God-inspired faith as something that is alive and dynamic, whose primary focus is on our relationship with God and then with other people. Over the last few weeks, we've been considering this same thing as we've looked at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We heard Jesus teaching that the law was fulfilled when we place an emphasis on seeking healthy and genuine relationships both with God and with other people. In the third test, Jesus was offered all the kingdoms of the world if he would only worship his tempter. I want us to be careful here because I know that we often refer to Christ in very regal or royal terms. At the end of November each year, we celebrate the reign of Christ or Christ the King Sunday. In the Gospels, Jesus' followers often refer to him as either Master or Lord. These are all entirely appropriate and truthful statements about the identity of Jesus Christ. However, in this third wilderness temptation, we see Jesus being offered an opportunity to take that power and authority by force. In essence, this is about something comparable to global domination. At its core, this test is not simply about one's own authority, it's about how we get that authority. Jesus was being presented with a choice. On one hand, he could define himself by what God had said about him. On the other hand, he could take that authority by force and snatch it. Jesus makes no attempt at grabbing influence or competing for honors that do not belong to him. Instead, he remains confident in his identity as declared by God. This offers you and I an invitation to remain grounded in who God says that we are. Acknowledging that we are made in the image of God, sought out by God, and invited to partner in God's work in the world. The psalmist puts it like this, I praise God for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are God's works. That I know very well. Is this a reality that we fully understand in our own lives? When Jesus resisted that third temptation in the desert, he was confidently proclaiming his identity and role in God's creation. When Jesus' time in the wilderness came to an end, we're told that angels visited him. Imagine them attending to him as a parent does when a child is recovering from a dangerous illness. They have an eye for his needs and are ready to provide whatever those needs are. They are a gift from God and assume the role of messengers who come because Jesus is recognized as one who is devoted to truth and goodness. There is another layer to this whole story that is important for us to consider. Last week we heard about Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up a mountain where they had a miraculous vision of who Jesus truly was. We've considered that miraculous things often happen on mountaintops. But mountaintops are not the only place that important things happen. Throughout the scriptures, the wilderness represents a place of preparation, a place of waiting for God's next move, and a place of learning to trust in God's mercy. Noah and his family spent 40 days on the ark, after which God made a promise to never again destroy the earth with a flood. Moses fasted for 40 days on Mount Sinai as he inscribed the words of God's covenant for the Israelites. Elijah fasted for 40 days in the desert before receiving a new commission from God. The Israelites wandered for 40 years in the wilderness in preparation for their arrival in the promised land. Today we read about Jesus spending 40 days and nights in the wilderness without food, getting ready for what came next. Whether it's Noah in the ark, Moses on a mountain, or Elijah in the desert, there are some common themes. A clear pattern begins to develop in which people of faith spend a considerable length of time figuring out who they are in relationship to God, while also waiting to hear from God. During Lent, as Christians around the world reflect on Jesus' ministry and follow his ways toward the cross, we commit ourselves to an intentional time of spiritual discipline so that we might grow closer to God and grow in our faith. There are some obvious parallels for us as we begin our journey through Lent. As people of faith, although we are called to be people of action, we are not called to lives of reckless abandon or unrestrained impulses. We are called to lives of self-discipline and control. If you're anything like me, things like watching, waiting, and contemplation can be very hard words to hear and even harder to put into practice. But in the long run, sometimes they pay the best rewards. Let's pray. Almighty God, as your kingdom dawns, turn us from the darkness of sin into the light of holiness, so that we may be ready to meet you in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh,